this is Tony Speaks and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. Tiffany A. Hill Ditlifson is an Air Force veteran, a supermom, an entrepreneur, and a real estate professional in Hamilton County, Indiana. Her current role provides an opportunity to focus her skills on improving both her community and the lives of her clients. Tiffany's professional experiences include service and resource delivery to combat forces, deploying after 9-11 to Oman to serve as a services squadron commander, healthcare management, marketing and new product launches, relationship building, group leadership, and complex problem solving. Her awards include a New York Film Festival Silver Medal, a Meritorious Service Medal, twice awarded, the Air Force Innkeeper Award, and a Company Grade Officer of the Year. Tiffany earned her undergraduate degree at the United States Air Force Reserve Officer Training Commission at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and completed a Master's of Business Administration at Indiana Wesleyan University. She previously served as Commander of the Veterans of Foreign War Post 1120 and the Vice President of the Catholic Charities of Indianapolis Agency Council. But today, Tiffany is becoming disciplined. Today on Becoming Discipline, we interview veteran, supermom, real estate entrepreneur, and community activist, Tiffany Divlitson. Welcome to Becoming Discipline. We are so honored to have you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Tony. Thank you so much. Now, Tiffany, before you educate us and share your current story and how things are going on right now, we believe that all superheroes have a wonderful uh, origin story. Can you tell us about how you grew up, your context, and where you grew up? Tell us about your upbringing. Sure, sure. So like so many of the people that I knew in high school, um, my dad was in the military. I'm an Army brat. Had the opportunity to live um, in Germany when I was a very young child, and I think that was just really um, important for my development. My mom's best friends, uh, one lady was Irish and the other one was Korean, so just always have grown up with like different cultures and a different appreciation for uh, for life and people. Um, from Germany, we went on to Texas, and again, just very multicultural. Um, my dad uh, was a retired sergeant major in the army. Uh, he provided just a wonderful lifestyle for us. My mom never worked. She was always there after school, um, always involved. Um, and one of the things that happened, uh, one of the foundational things that happened in my life was when we moved from Germany to, um, to Texas. It was between second and third grade. And essentially, when I showed up at um, Duncan Elementary School, um, I was uh, almost a functioning illiterate child. Um, two things that happened when we moved. Uh, one, my second grade teacher, he enjoyed playing the accordion a little bit more than teaching. Oh, wow. and, and my eyes changed. I developed an astigmatism and I just could not see very well. And my teachers picked up that I was not reading and doing math on, uh, on level. Mm. And uh, between Mrs. Davis and Mrs. Sargent, they had me get my eyes tested. And uh, once we got that together and I got the most horrible, ugly glasses ever, um, I got into the gifted programs and uh, in third grade, got into the gifted programs. And that just set the trajectory for um, for my life, really, for the things I've been able to accomplish. And it was because I had really, really great teachers who cared about teaching and cared about students. And uh, they could tell that I was a little bit behind. And, um, you know, everything that I've done since then is really because, you know, they took that time to get me in gifted programs and um, just to help me actualize my full potential. So That is amazing. That is <laughs> That truly is amazing to me because uh, for our audience, I went to high school for a short time with Tiffany and she was always in the accelerated programs and always making all A's. So or maybe maybe a B in there slid in there possibly, but <laughs> but uh, but that that's amazing. That's amazing. That turnaround. I would never have guessed that. Now, uh, Tiffany, you're 
you're great at a lot of different things. So my question is, I see a lot of different vocations or callings. Uh, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life and you could only do that one thing, would you be a super mom kind of helping your grown kids raise their kids? Or would you be a community activist? Or would you be a real estate entrepreneur? Which one of those three gives you the most joy? So I would tell you it would be through um, community service and community activism. So one of the things about me is, you know, I, I spent my time in the Air Force. I did ROTC at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Um, and then I went on to serve as an officer in the Air Force. I was active for seven years, deployed after 9-11 uh, to support and defend the Constitution against enemies, foreign, domestic. Um, and I enjoyed that time in the military. But when I left, my daughter was um, nine months old. And when I got back, she was uh, 15 months old. She was walking and talking. So I had to make a tough choice. Um, from that time on, you know, I fully devoted myself to being that mom. You know, like if we're going to do something, it's going to be over the top. Like when she turned two, we had a bouncy house, <laughs> machine. You know, like if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And so I am now an empty nester. My daughter is a, uh, she's a junior down at uh, Indiana University in Bloomington. And so as an empty nester, I have this opportunity to apply my skill set differently. One of the things, one of my prayers to God is that he will um, help me use my skills and talents to serve him. Um, I've had a plethora of experiences, you know, my time in the military, uh, you know, doing PTO as PTO president for several years. I'm on the board at Catholic Charities here in Indianapolis. I've been on parish council and um, I have um, a pretty, I'm pretty set, um, pretty defined beliefs. I'm, I'm conservative. I believe in, um, you know, positive money management, small government. I believe in helping people, you know, teaching a man to fish. Also, I believe in finding out the core reason people have problems and working on uh, working on the, the problem and not the symptoms of the problem. And for me to have my, my fullest and highest purpose life, it is working to create a better United States for, uh, for our citizens and for people. Um, and that, that is where I shine based on my experiences. I've lived and worked on, um, you know, two other continents. I've worked with a lot of different people. Um, you know, we both lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. You know, I've seen gun violence. I've seen drug violence. I've seen young people become incarcerated. But on the other side of that, I know that the majority of the people I grew up with, all of our dads were in the military and they had the GI Bill benefit. And so all of our parents are homeowners. So I know the importance of homeownership to uh, building wealth in families, also to making strong communities. Um, you know, I didn't know that I grew up in a black neighborhood when I was a kid. <laughs> it, was just, it was just the neighborhood. It was just where we lived. But when I go back there now, you know, things look different. But the dads and the families, they own their homes. And I think that that is so important to providing stability um, to areas of Fayetteville, to families. You know, if something happens, you can borrow against your home, but something happens, you've got roof over your um, roof over your head. If a family member hits a hard time, they can always come live with you. So building stronger communities is very, very important to me. And also um, building strong women, that's very important to me too. That's a great segue to my next question. Uh, when you were a child, was there someone outside? Of course, we have our influences inside the home. You know, your, your dad was a sergeant major. That, that, of course, sets a tone that you know that he's a very disciplined person. The subject of this podcast is discipline. Was there someone outside the home, maybe a teacher or someone that really inspired you with their level of discipline that was a great mentor for you as a, at an early age? Uh, you know, that, that's a tough one because, you know, I've been in a lot of different situations and my mentors have changed from time to time. Um, I think about in seventh grade when we showed up for math class and Carol Brewer um, was teaching math. And this woman, we were seventh graders, but you would have thought she was teaching like college algebra. Like the syllabus was on the back. So there was like never ending homework on the board and we were just stressed out and she gave lectures and there was no smiley faces and no stars. And, but she set this pace of working and understanding and learning that was key. Um, Mrs. Owens, um, high school English teacher, she pushed me so hard and she saw in me the, um, the potential 
you know, I was held to a different standard being student body president and um, being in gifted classes. I was just held to a different standard. Also, the late Dr. Ship, he was a principal at our high school. You know, he and I, we would have conversations. I remember I went to uh, Goodwill one time and I got this Budweiser shirt and it had Budweiser across the back. It had a name patch on it and it said Bill and I wore it to school. And he said, you can't wear that. I said, you, he said, you can't wear that. You're a student body president that sets the wrong image. You can't do that. And I didn't understand at the time what he was doing, but he was like, you're a leader. Leaders set the pace. And that's not the image that you can project. Um, actually, he and I, we had a really tough conversation. One year, um, our homecoming queen was a, was a teenage mom. And I was like, everybody voted for her. We don't have a problem. But he was like, you know, this is not the type of image that we want to uphold um, in high school. You know, these, these are, and there, there are things that I didn't really understand because I was a child and I was processing it through a child's mind. But they wanted for us, they wanted us to attain, um, to graduate to attain the highest form of education, if it was, um, you know, enrolling in college, enlisting, or, you know, finding our way, they wanted the very best for us as young people. So Mrs. Owens, um, Dr. Ship, and then when I went down to college, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mark Clodfelter was responsible for getting me through the ROTC program. And I am eternally thankful to him and his wife, Donna. Um, they, they got me through the program. They, too, saw the potential inside of me and helped me to master the uh, physical fitness test, which was my arch nemesis in college because I didn't play sports. I was so much of a nerd <laughs> that I didn't play any sports. I was, I was, um, I was you know, physical, but I was not athletic. So they, they got me through that. And then on active duty, you know, Colonel D. Rosario, there's just a, my mentors change based on, um, based on the situation. And one of the things I always tell people is to be coachable, you know, always be open to feedback, especially harsh, bad feedback. That's what makes you better because it's so easy for people to say, oh, you did great. Oh, wonderful. Great job. And then in your mind, you're like, ah, I kind of probably could have done this, this, and this better. So always be coachable. Always be open for feedback. That is truly where you grow and excel is when you get feedback. Um, and and I, I love feedback. You know, it, it's, it is really the lifeblood. And that's how you really know somebody cares for you. If a friend says, hey, you know, you want to put on a belt with that? Or are you going to wear those shoes? Or if a coworker says, hey, you know, Talk me through what you're thinking or help me understand this. You know, always open yourself up for, for coaching and explaining yourself because um, I just think that that's so important. And it's, it has served me very well. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, I uh, and I'll just make this comment that uh, unlike a lot of academics or what some people call nerds, I see why he would tell you that about the Budweiser shirt, because you were very distinct that you had an influence over even the non-academics at a very young age. So, and, that, and that's, that's true leadership uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of times people who are student body president or they're the academic, they don't really have an influence outside of that academic environment. But Tiffany, you always had that influence even among like the quote unquote cool kids of the school. You had, the, you had that influence at an early age. So that's why I always believed, I always believed in you. Uh, oh my God. I can remember you, you telling me, you know, you're going to, you're going to be president. Yep. I mean, like people <laughs> see stuff in you that you don't see. And, um, and I, I really think that like when you're with your friends, some of the friends from high school that I had, you know, we're so full of potential. We're not jaded. I think sometimes we have to dial back to who that person was, what that person wanted to be. Cause I think that there's so much truth and honesty there because you're making these decisions based on your true interests, the, the things that you see yourself doing. And then, you know, we get a job at the gap, you get a job at the movie theater, you start making five, seven, $10 an hour in the nineties. And right. you think that you, <laughs> you right. hit a goal, you know, it's, it's a landmine. It's great. It's tons of money, but we do have to go back and think about those things that were important to us, who we want it to be, how we want it to change the world, um, how we felt about people. Cause I do think that there are some richness there. We can't stay there for a long time, but I do think that there's some richness there. Um, one of the things that I do um, to stay disciplined is I do a lot of journaling. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be in the business of giving people advice 
and you give people advice, nobody takes your advice, you're like, okay. But what I found is that if you talk to people and if you just have them journal, be like, well, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? You know, just journal about it. You know, write down what you want, write down the pros, the cons, what you're willing to do, what you're willing to sacrifice. Because so many times the answer is inside of us and we don't always tease it out. That's why I think journaling is just so important. You know, we're in this, this COVID, post-COVID kind of environment. Um, life has changed for so many people. People are trying new jobs, trying new things, but it's really a great time to, um, to, to just journal and understand what your goals are and go back to it and, and question yourself. Um, I think that, that that's probably, that's been key to me to being successful and being disciplined. Awesome, awesome. Now, we like to time travel in this podcast. Okay. So we're going to time travel. Now, in this time travel, you can't, uh, the way the, the uh, technical device works is you can only say one sentence okay. to your, your younger self, okay? And this, you're time traveling to the moment where you just had your, your first baby, okay? And the doctor's done, you know, if it, if it was the same as when I had, we had our baby, the doctor puts the baby on your chest and you're just so happy and just so glad. Uh, what do you tell that young mother right there, that particular, what sentence do you give her to give her some wisdom on how to move forward in the future? Um, I'm talking to myself. I would, say, um, I would say work on your marriage. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good advice. Good advice. Good advice. And my wife and I, we can, we can, we can, we can concur with that advice. I mean, because we, uh, we had been married 20 years before we had our first child. And uh, oh. yes, 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 yes. We had taught kids in Sunday school who those kids grew up and had kids before we had kids. So, uh, uh, but but the, the babies naturally finally came. But uh, I'll say this is that we were not ready, you know, the, that uh, we were not ready for the extra stress and the extra strain. So you just gave some really great advice. Now, what, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry about that, though. I was very blessed. My husband and I, we were married when Michaela was little and, uh, and living together as a family. We were both military, so we were going in different directions. But those young years, those first, you know, five years, I couldn't have done it by myself. Amen. And so Amen. I, Amen. I, that structure of a family, I think it's so important to, to little ones because it really does take two people. And, you know, we're divorced now, but it still takes two people. Um, you know, because I give Michaela different advice than he does. And so, you know, parents, I mean, children deserve two parents whenever possible. You know, just differences of perspectives, differences of strengths, differences of abilities, uh, dual income is so important when you're raising a child. So I think that's one of the things that people have to consider. Mm, good, good, good stuff. Now, uh, what habits or disciplines make a great real estate agent. You know, so you can let's, let's let's move around a little bit here. So for anyone who's who's thinking about getting into real estate and they're thinking about pursuing that, uh, what habits or disciplines really take you to the next level? Sure. There's two things that I think are are most important for uh, for real estate agents. One of one number one is knowledge. You know, you've got to pass your exam, you've got to get your license, you have to understand what's going on in the real estate market. You've got to master the contracts, negotiations, so knowledge. You know, you definitely want a realtor who's, you know, got a good head on their shoulders, is in the game, understands what's going on. And the second part of that is networking. You know, you've got to connect with so many people because that's where your business comes from. It's from the people who know, know you, love you, and like you, the people who want to do business with you, um, but also like networks. Be a part of like the chamber. Be, the, be a part of like a, a flag football team, a softball team, you know, work on the PTO, you know, be the head cheer mom you know, have these networks, sing in the church choir, be involved at church. You want to have all of these clusters of friends around you and they need to know that you're a realtor so that when something happens, you know, you're not sitting there at a, a basketball game and somebody's like, oh my God, I just listed my house. We're going to sell it. And you're like, girl, I'm an, I'm an agent. You know, you right. don't want that to happen. Right. You want your friends to know that you're an agent. And so you just have to have so many people around you. So I've been in the game for about 16 months, got my license during quarantine, during lockdown. And, uh, you know, 60% of my business has come from people in my network. 
people who trusted me when my license was still wet. Right. And, um, and that, that meant a lot to me. That means a ton. You know, one of my clients, one of my first clients, he was going through a divorce. And, um, and he had hit rock bottom. And I sent out, as soon as you get your license, you send out these announcement cards. And when we were over at his house, like painting and cleaning and sweeping, my little postcard was in the corner. It was oh. trash. He saw it. He held on to it. And then we got there and we rescued him. We sold his house really fast and um, got him some money and let him go on with his next chapter. So, you know, you've got to you've got to be knowledgeable and you've got to have strong networks because that's where your business will come from. The next one minute and 33 seconds will be reserved for a commercial advertisement. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's it's after church, and I don't know about you, sometimes after church, I'm just lacking energy. Courtney. Yes? Can you get me, can you get me a, uh, one of them vitamins that your mama takes? Here you go, daddy. Mm. Let me try one of these. Tastes pretty good. My God, my God, Q! What do you have in there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12. It's it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast, or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming discipline. Don't forget to use our promo code becoming discipline. Now, um, I, I, this next question is going to be tough, but I'll delete it if you don't like it. We will we'll, we'll edit this out. All right. But we're on kind of. Op, we're the same, but we're on opposite sides of the spectrum. I'm, I actually, I work every now and then with the Democratic Party, but then I'm a very conservative person in the Democratic Party where sometimes I feel left out because I'm the most, con I tell the people at the table, at my county table, I was like, I don't agree with y'all on anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, uh, but, you know, so I'm a very conservative person on that, on that level. I'm barely in the party, okay? And then, and then you know, you I'm sure in in Indiana politics. I mean, you you know you may not you don't fit the household brand or the of what they would expect. I'm, I'm not wrong in saying that. Of no, you're very correct. I haven't disagreed with you yet. Okay. <laughs> so you don't fit within the the cookie cutter image of what the Republican Party is used to. So for people like myself. Who they don't necessarily agree with these parties, these tribalized way that we've become in America. What advice do you give people who want to get involved, but they don't want to get caught up in all of the tribal politics? What, what, what thoughts do you have? Sure. So um, all politics is local. So um, what is most important is who your city council is, who your city trustee is, Who's your sheriff and who's your coroner? Um, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. The sheriff and coroner are pretty important because you want in your district attorney, you want to know what they're prosecuting, what they're not prosecuting, who they're throwing the book out and why. And if you don't like it, get them out of there. So it is very, very important to be involved at a local level and to support candidates who support your values. Um, and most people, I think, are fiscally conservative. That's um, that's a value we assign to Republicans. You know, we're typically not going to, you know, write a bunch of checks for social programs. That's just not who we are. You know, we just try to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars, which is what everybody wants. You know, um, with the draw out, the drawdown from Afghanistan, that was really hard for me because we left so much equipment behind. I'm like. I was in the military. Why weren't we moving like things out a little bit at a time? You know, like a couple of helicopters this week, a couple next week. Let's get some tanks out of here. You know, 
let's have a graduated step down. I feel like the government owes me a couple tanks. It's like, you know, I've been paying taxes. I've been out of high school, what, 30 years? It's like, right. you, I want my tank, you know? Well, actually, I want my Humvee. <laughs> <With raises and laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So that's one, that's one of the things that's important is, um, you know, a strong military, a smart military, you know, good use of government dollars. Um, so you have to figure out what's most important to you. I, um, I really think that the southern border should be secure. I don't know if a wall is the way to do it, but people should not be able to walk into our country because, you know, there's uh, there are girls who are being trafficked, sexually trafficked. There's drugs coming across. There's we don't know what kind of foreign terrorists are coming in. And then what happens is when your border is porous, you know, you've got a drain on resources. You know, you can have more crime. You can have more people using social programs, um, more poverty. Um, so it just, um, it, it can be a drain on local issues. I don't know what I would do if I lived in Southern Texas. I have no idea how I would feel, but I know I live in Indiana and uh, you know, our Congresswoman, she went down there. She's like 70,000 people you know, are crossing the border a day. I mean, it, it is flooded. It is flooded with people coming in. And so that's one of the things that's important to me. And I think most Americans want that. We want a secure border. You know, people have people have fences around their homes. We lock our doors at night. We want security. We should want the same thing for our country. So I just say, you know, always just read up, get smart about what's going on, figure out how you feel. You know, if you're fine, if you feel like everybody should be able to come into the country, then that, that's fine. If you feel like we need to spend more money on social programs, that's fine. You know, find party, find the party and find the candidates to align with how you feel. Um, one of the things I find on Facebook is that there are a lot of people who don't agree with me. And I'm fine with that. But go and do what works for you. You know, don't tell me to stop doing what I'm doing. You, you do what you want to do. And then that way we're both involved and we're both trying to make a better America. And then some places are different. You know, one of the things uh, you were talking about me not being the cookie cutter uh, Republican, the cookie cutter conservative, is that um, I don't, my, my political beliefs define my approach to problem solving. So, you know, states' rights, letting states and local governments figure out how to fix things, um, you know, I, you know, Roe v. Wade secures a woman's right to abortion. I am pro-life. So I'm going to support things like that. I'm Catholic. You know, I'm on the board at Catholic Charities Parish Council. So I do things that align to my values. You know, I believe in individual rights. Um, I believe that there is so much opportunity in the United States of America that people need to go and get theirs. You know, just grab it. You know, I didn't have the internet. You know, I was already a nerd in high school. I mean, with the internet, I might have been like a super nerd. But, you know, like go and get what you want. You know, don't, if, if you if you depend on the government to give you stuff, then what do you do if they take it away? Amen. 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 Well, we agree on all of that. We agree on all of that. Amen. Now, um, we'll have to recruit you. Uh, <laughs> well, if y'all get rid of one particular person, I'm, I might be coming on board. All right, there's one guy. Y'all, once he's out of the picture, then I will be much more, much more open. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 2024 being done. But with that being said, uh, you also are a veteran, and my question to you for any young people choosing it. You chose the Air Force. Would you still make that choice today? And can you tell us about your experience and, and uh, what you learned while you were in the Air Force and how that made you a better person? Sure. So um, I think it might have been uh, junior or senior year. Lieutenant Colonel Larney McClung came to uh, Westover and he talked about um, ROTC scholarships and my SATs were there. Um, in fact, I had to get a little bit higher on the verbal. But um, I applied for it and I got it. I got a degree. I got a four-year scholarship in meteorology. Um, and then unfortunately they didn't offer it at Carolina. So we got that, we got that worked out. Um, but uh, like I said before, Lieutenant Colonel Claude Felter and his wife Donna ensured that I got through college, got through the program and got onto active duty. So my career field was um, morale, welfare, and recreation. I was a, it was a services officer, but I was essentially a morale officer. Mm -hmm. So on an Air Force base stateside, it's daycare centers, military lodging, the dining facilities, fitness centers, mortuary affairs, libraries. 
we did the things that made the Air Force the Air Force, right. made it kind, made it cushiony, uh, made it enjoyable. When we deployed to, um, we deployed to Oman after 9-11, the people who worked for me were kings and queens. We were in tent city. We were responsible for food, beds, sheets, air conditioners. Uh, we had an alcohol program. Uh, anything extra that you ever wanted, cigarettes, uh, dip. My, the people who worked for me were kings and queens. We did bingo every Sunday night in the dining facility. They were in charge of buying prizes, running the bingo. The, I mean, they were kings. But then also, this was like 2002, right after 9-11, this is before the war started. So what happened is um, we sent troops in and the Taliban went into the tunnels initially, so there was no ground combat. So we had to make sure that the Army, the Navy, and the Marines, that they didn't rip each other's heads off. So my people, they won awards. Uh, people were getting step promotions below the zone. I mean, it was a really, really great time for my team. And what I learned was when you're in opportunities, when you're in, the, when you have opportunities to do your best, to surge, to to miss a little bit of sleep so that you can work harder or work longer. If you have the opportunity to be on a team, you need to make sure that everybody on your team has an opportunity to contribute because everybody's got a different set of skills. So every morning at um, like 7:15, we would have a meeting. And we'd have a staff meeting. We'd talk about what was going on. And then every day at 4 p.m., we'd have another staff meeting. If we had special events, we would all talk because there was so much just cross-feeding and, and cross-communication that we needed to do. And that has served me very well today. You know, even when I work with teams, I want diverse people sitting around the table. You know, uh, we would always have, like, communication folks, civil engineers, uh, people from the fire department, people from the police. You know, when you're doing something big, you need a lot of people involved so that they can see around the corners where you can't so one of the things i learned is to work hard don't be afraid to do too much have a diverse set of people around you um you know and always thank people you know that that is so important you know i always tell people thank you you know i'm so grateful when people you know when they when they you know when they, when they give me a compliment when somebody does something for me when somebody helps me i am so very grateful um, just because, just you know, that some people don't have to, and some people don't always hear that kind of stuff. So, um, I think that the important thing for my time in the military was the importance of teams and yeah. making sure that if you're leading a team, that you're listening and, and letting people contribute. Cause the worst thing in the world as a leader is to be the reason your team fails. That's horrible. That's horrible. Um, one of the things when I was in the military, I was a mortuary officer and the very first case that I did we took the easy way out. And um, so traditionally when somebody dies, you can either use their uniform that they have or you can buy them a brand new one. And the NCO who worked for me, he's like, ah, that's so much work. So we just used her uniform and then we used her undergarments and her stockings. And, um, and I, it was my job as a mortuary officer to inspect her, you know, after the autopsy, before she was dressed, after she was dressed, while she was in the casket. And I remember I looked into the casket and um, she had snags in her stockings. Mm. And, um, and I was scared. And I asked the mortician, I said, well, can we redress her? Can we put other stockings on her? And he said, I'm gonna charge you. And I was afraid. I was afraid that I was gonna get in trouble or that there would be a bigger bill. And so um, I buried somebody with snags in her stockings and it haunts me to this day. Um, and, um, but any other case we did after that, everybody got everything new, underwear, t-shirts, socks, shoes, brand new uniform, everything new because I learned in that instance, I had one shot, one opportunity. If we had to stay up late, if we had to get up early, we were going to do everything to make our part perfect. Amen. And Amen. that has stuck with me for the rest of my life. Now, how old were you when you had to observe that body? How, how, do you remember how old you were? Um, it was probably 97, 98. I might have been so 25, 20. 25, 26, something like That's that. A That's a lot for someone that age. We put a lot on our young our young airmen and soldiers. Uh, 
No, I mean, I, I've had to do that as a minister much later in life. And, uh, and, but that's just a, that's a lot for, for that age. Now, uh, and, and let me just make, just take Thank a moment. You. That's why. Thank you for saying that. Cause I couldn't process it at the time that it was a lot. It was just, that I was scared and I was just like, you know, I didn't know what to do, but I had never thought that, you know, other people are on like the real world MTV doing crazy stuff. And here I am, you know, trying to figure out how, you know, how to get this lady, how to give her the proper respect. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's no, I mean, I, I uh, um, it, it, it is a lot. Now, I uh, want to say this to our audience as well, is that what Tiffany just explained is why I believe whether Republican or Democrat, we should try to pick from the veterans, our future leaders in politics. Because all of that logistics and all of those things that Tiffany was doing at a very young age, I'm speaking to my audience, that's the type of person that you want as the mayor. That's the type of person that you want as the governor. That's the type of person, because that person, whether Republican or Democrat, being in the executive office, that experience prepares you for knowing how to, how to handle that office. And uh, you're not going to be able to just jump in there with no experience. And a lot of times we pick no offense to it. I mean, you, no offense to attorneys or other people, but an attorney knows the law and they may have had a small office of secretaries and fellow attorneys. That doesn't mean that they're going to be a great chief executive that has to be in charge of all of those offices and all of those functionalities. So that's uh, that's something really important that I'm hoping gets put to use in Indiana sometime soon. All right. <laughs> now, <laughs> so here's questions I have for across the board that we asked of, we ask of all our guests. As a high performer, Ms. Tiffany, how well do you sleep? Oh, I sleep very well. You sleep very well. <laughs> I do. I do. I have an alarm that goes off on my phone at 920 every night, uh, Monday through Friday, no matter where I am, it says get ready for bed. And my friends laugh. I was like, I gotta go home. So, right. um, I, I try to be in bed by about like 10 o'clock. And then, um, you know, I get up a three day, you know, I get up in the morning to exercise. So, um, but when I get in bed, you know, I like it. I like the room kind of, kind of cool. And I just go right to sleep. Okay. Well, that's 50, 50. I'm trying to convince, uh, some of our high performers are not good sleep, good sleepers, and they, you know, they they survive on four hours of sleep. But I think that they could even be, uh, you know, they could take it up another notch if they did what you do. So uh, now, what another general question that we ask of all of our audience? I mean, all of our, our visitors. What book outside of the Bible do you recommend that has changed or shaped you in the greatest fashion? Sure. It's a book called The 48 Laws of Power. Are you familiar with it? Oh, very familiar. Robert Greene, correct? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that it's a really great way to understand like psychology, human nature, how to interact with people, uh, the reason why people react and overreact the way that they do. And then I think uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits, I think that's something that everybody should read. Okay. All right, one more general question. At Becoming Discipline, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Now, keep this in mind. For all of the people, I always have to repeat this two more times. So don't feel bad if you didn't get it the first time, all right? So, uh, but what I would like you to do is listen for your strong point. Listen for the point that you feel needs some extra work. And if there's something that needs some extra work, what is your plan for the rest or what is your plan for 2022 for improving that area that needs some work? And I'm going to repeat it again. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management and home and data organization. What's the strong point? What's the what's the weak point and what's the plan for the weak point? Um, let's see. I, I can't tell you what the strengths are. Let me tell you about the weaknesses, the things that I need to work on. Sure. So um, I need to work on like home management, okay. being an empty nester. I, I'm not cooking. Right. Um, there's coffee and like milk and like vegetables and fruit in the refrigerator that are just getting squishy. But uh, for the amount of uh, like cleaning and stuff like that, I probably need to hire somebody. 
So that's something that's on my scope is to really get my arms around that part. Um, time management, I do keep a paper calendar. Um, and I tell my friends that if it's not on the paper calendar, it's not going to happen. But there are other things that I need to do on the time um, on it for like real estate. I need to have dedicated time for lead management because that's where your future business comes from. So definitely time management is something that I need to work on. I just need to refine it, you know, because I can tell you, you know, somebody will say, hey, let's do this on this day. And I'm like, well, let me look. Um, but I'm good at managing it, but I just need to take it to the next level because lead management is so key to being um, a successful realtor. And physical, I need to add some cardio. Um, I'm at that age where, um, you know, my coffee is starting to affect my blood pressure and um, I just need to add uh, a little bit more cardio. Okay. So, um, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Tiffany, what is next? That's the big question we have for you. What's next? Is, is it, are you, you sound the most engaged out of all the things you talk about. The community activism seems like that's the one that has you the most fired up. So what's next with community activism? What's next with your real estate? What's next? Uh, how long before you're a grandmama? You know what I'm saying? I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> so, um, so what's next for me is, um, so it's kind of like I was saying earlier. So, um, you know, when it comes, I, I think I'm really good with my mental game and uh, my spirituality because I, I recognize that God has given me a set of skills and abilities and experiences, very unique experiences. And through community activism and politics, I have a way to apply those things. I mean, I, I mean, the things that I've seen and the things that I've done, I just pull it all together and it all makes sense. So that's how you, and, and it's easy. You know, I was in corporate America for about 16 years and I always felt like I was swimming against the current. You know, I was, I was paddling in the wrong direction. I had ideas and thoughts, but I never really feel, felt like I felt I fitted in. I was making good money, but it didn't feel good. And so I sit here with my skills, my abilities, my experiences, and this calmness that God has got me on the right path. So I can sit here and be very confident and excited because I feel like I am where God wants me to be. Um, over the weekend, I was down in Orlando at the, the National Conference for Republican Women, and I will be honest with you, I thought that being, being brown was going to be an issue. Mm. I really did. But it was the best sorority of women. Um, it was diverse. There were, there were a lot of other brown women, so that made me happy. Some, um, some of them elected. They were their county party chairs. They were city council. They were very active and involved. So I said, Tiffany. Race is not a factor. Okay. I can't hide behind that. And so um, so race is not a factor. It was diverse. It was inclusive. There was sisterhood. And I was like, I feel like I'm where I belong. And yet again, it was one of those God moments for me, for him saying, Tiffany, I got this. I'm going to make this so easy for you that you can't help but rise. Awesome. And so um, that that is most exciting for me. Um, I love real estate. I love what I do. Um, I love getting first-time buyers in homes. And when when you're self-employed, how you make money plays in the background and right. you're able to pursue your passions. Right. So I think that that's so important as people are working to become disciplined, you know, understand kind of what, what's really important. But some people want to make a ton of money and be powerful and be like empire. That's fine. But for me, money in the background to, you know, do the things that I like. But definitely with my mind, you know, I have a servant's heart, work with my mind on improving my community and improving the lives of people around me. That's good. Now, are you, do you think uh, in the future, in the near future, do you think an executive office is best for you to tr pursue? <laughs> do you think a more of a House of Delegates or which, which path? In Virginia, we call it House of Delegates. I don't know what it's called in Indiana. So uh, here in the United in, in uh, Indiana, they call it General Assembly. You got your House of Representatives and your uh, your senators. So um, I think definitely I'll start local. Okay. Probably start with something you know like City Council. Start there. 
and uh, see what happens. You know, uh, we've got a lot of great Republicans here in Indiana. It's a red state. So, uh, you know, we don't necessarily want to run against our friends. So just really trying to, to get in where I fit in. But also um, I have the opportunity. I am the, I'm the, one of the co-chairs for my local GOP club. So I have the opportunity to network. And I see that as an ability to, you know, you're giving me a task. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my best at it. But also I'm able to network and bring people in to talk to my, my club members. And that is, that's a blessing. That's another God thing. You know, I was appointed, you know, God was like, Hey Tiff, here you go. You want to do something, you want to be involved. So um, I think that's really important for people sometimes to understand when opportunities come to them, it may not be what you want to do, but it's an opportunity to one, prove to yourself that you can do it and show somebody else that you can do it. And one of the things that I've learned in politics is that um, people spend more time talking about you than they do talking to you. So usually by the time somebody says something to you, asks you, invites you, or includes you, there have been a lot of other conversations that have gone on in the background. So, um, you know, so when opportunity comes, you got to be ready. Amen. 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 <laughs> well, 80, probably 80% of my audience uh, for now are Democrats, and they're going to some of them are going to probably fuss at me like, wait a minute, you you didn't ask her any tough questions. Or da, 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 da. But here's my point I want to make. Here's the point I want to make is I think the way you change America is having good Republicans uh, who, who bring diversity to the Republican Party. And then also people who bring diversity to the Democratic Party so that they're so that America is not controlled by the fringes instead of being controlled by a diverse group of people who may have a different set of opinions or experiences. So, so for all of my Democratic friends who, uh, who will try to fuss at me, uh, they can they need to understand that uh, they don't they don't know Tiffany Amen. They don't know Tiffany, and they don't know how how Tiffany is going to change the Republican Party. So exactly, and it's like it's my mindset toward problem solving. You know how like when somebody will say, well, ask your dad or ask your mom, it's because people process things differently. And that that's kind of where my head is. It's like I just process things differently. But I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. I mean, my, I grew up in a, in a, in a you know, black neighborhood. Most, you know, most of my friends were black. But I saw what happened in the 90s when men were going to jail for very long periods of time, devastation by drugs and crack, uh, uh, Boys in the Hood came out the year I graduated high school, needless gun violence. And if you think that um, having that kind of background is forgotten, you're wrong. Sure. You know, that's how I can look in some of these communities. And I'm like, hey, let's really understand what's going on here so that we can figure it out. But then also being with other Republicans and being able to say, that's not going to work. You know, we need to rethink this. This is what this sounds like to people, you know, that that doesn't work. You know, um, the Texas abortion ban, you know, um, <clears throat> in the state of Indiana, you can have an abortion up to 22 weeks. Um, and I think it, it follows uh, the idea, the intersection of individual liberties and the liberties of a fetus. We're right at about 22 weeks. That fetus is viable outside of the mom's womb. So, um, you know, if if. If the law, if the Supreme Court says you can have one, you can have one. You know, if the Supreme Court says, I am pro-life, but I do see the opportunity for us to make our bill a little bit more restrictive. Our law here, you know, I think anything after the first trimester is um, is irresponsible. Oh, no, so, I, I agree. I, I, don't care, I don't care if it costs me a couple of uh, viewers as well. I agree. But, but, but I also think that, you know, going back to what I said earlier about building strong women, mm -hmm. I think that we do need to spend time with young people, getting them to journal and think about the lives they want to have. When you engage in premarital sex, unprotected sex, um, when you when you uh, rob people, when you carry guns, when you carry drugs, you know, a lot of these things have um, adult consequences. So, you know, those are the kind of things that can change your life. But I really hope and pray that we can just spend time mentoring people to get them to think about their future, get young people to think about who you want to be. Oh, you want to be a rapper? You want to be a professional athlete? Okay, that's great. 
let's look at some numbers on that. What's your second choice? Mm. What's your third choice? You know, how can we help you to live the life that you want in America? You know, do you want to own a house someday? Do you want to have the big TVs, the SUVs? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to send them to private school? Do you want to have a lot of clothes in your closet? Do you want to wear brands? You know, do you want to be able to travel and go to football games? Do you want to be there at like the, the playoff games? Or, you know, what kind of life do you want and how can we get there? Because I think for probably 95% of young people, black, white, purple, or green, it's through education. Education, um, some type of uh, workman program, apprenticeships, uh, certifications. It's going to be through the work that they do with their two hands and not necessarily catching or dribbling or football or, or rocking the mic. So I just think we have to have that level of reality. That's great. That's great. Now, Tiffany, we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need to do this. We truly appreciate you. You have the last word. Like I said before, our audience is 30 to 55 year olds. I lovingly call them the Get Better Club. Now, do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? We give you the last word. Sure. So um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm Tiffany Hill Ditlifson on Facebook. You can always message me. And number two, I, I invite you to journal. If you truly want to improve your life and take it to the next level, journal. Write down what you want. Write down your priorities, what you're willing to do, what you're willing to sacrifice, because all of the answers are inside of you. If you know that you really enjoy doing hair and you want to be a cosmetologist, then you need to get your license. And let's talk about, let's strategize about how you can get your license. You know, um, if you if you love to cook and you want to, you know, you want to be a chef, let's figure out how you can go to culinary school or let's figure out how you can apprentice. You know, so sometimes you know what you want, but you don't know how to get there. But when you can figure out like the basics, then you can bring other people in to help you along the way. And very few professionals are going to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to help you get an education, make something of yourself, get an education, be able to live your own life. You know, no, I mean, very few people are going to tell you no. And then the other part of it is, is that like it, it, it's most stuff has been done before. So we're not recreating the wheel. We're just kind of helping you get where you need to be. Um, everything that you need to succeed is it's in your heart and your head. Just got to tap into it. If you enjoyed Tiffany as much as we did, you could reach her at T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E dot Ditlifson, that's D-I-T-L-E-V-S-O-N, at TalkToTucker.com.